This is Winging It, the somewhat whimsical, certainly worrying, decidedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly witty show about music, where one knows what's coming and the other one doesn't. And <laughs> it happens between both proper to ensure you can spend anywhere from 15 to 180 minutes with us every week. And by now, you're all sitting there going, okay, this is the part where Christina says she's doing it and David doesn't know anything, therefore he's just been allowed to coast this whole time. Well, for the second time ever, I ha- I'm having, I'm moved with pity for Bof's own beast of burden, the overworked Christina, who uh, really does everything around here. <laughs> so I decided I'd, uh, you know, give her a little break and throw me uh, a fucking bone. Throw her a, throw, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, throw <laughs> her a bone. And, you know, um, so here I am uh, doing Winging It for the uh, second time only. Yes. And uh, I'm doing it, uh, if you'll pardon me, I'm trying to do it uh, Rat Pack style with the microphone in my hand, not on the table. Kind of, Christina said it gave me a little, uh, kind of a Vegas. The je ne sais quoi. Yeah, je ne sais quoi. Kind of a little, swa- little suave thing, a little swagger, you know. Yeah, as a if, swagger. As if I need more, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so forth. So I'm going to do winging it this time, and she has no clue what is coming. And hopefully no. I've chosen more wisely than I often do on various songbirds and hummingbirds and doing ones that she is able to speak <laughs> on and knows and has opinion <laughs> on in the first place, because that's part of it, is we usually find some interesting, wildly uh, interesting list. And we, well, that's similar here. And of course, we often add our little custom embellishments, you know. Of course. And our personal recommendations, what we, we in our infinite wisdom would have done. What infinite, we, yes. What we think belonged on there. <laughs> and tonight, Christina's going to have to come up with a title for this one for the listing because yeah. I don't know what to call it. But, I, I uh, have it as TBD right now. TBD, yeah. I mean, Seems fitting. The theme in general, generally stated is, Hello, You Love Us, First Songs from First Albums. Wise choices or something like that. You mm. know? So, uh, you know what I'm talking about here anyway. Mm. You can come up with something pithy, I'm sure, about it. You're so <laughs> She's a master marketer. See, I thought I was doing okay with uh, butterflies and hurricanes, but honestly, is it, does she market brilliant? That's why you're listening. I, I, it isn't because you want to hear me. It's because of the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. They don't want to hear me, just you and the marketing. No, That's what it is. You and the marketing. <laughs> All right, now, uh, so... They say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And incredibly, even musicians seem to understand this. <laughs> now, rock stars might not always be known for displaying good judgment or making wise choices, as we've uh, dabbled uh, we've dabbled in that subject. But even these overgrown children often, often evidence an uncanny wisdom in how they choose to introduce themselves to the world. Of course, back in the day before you know YouTube and Spotify and all that, the general public's first taste of an artist's audio confections came by way of the radio single. In many cases, they were also the first album tracks anyway, but uh, not always. So we're going to look at a list compiled by WXPN Radio and passed on by the venerable NPR. Mm. And just try to imagine, not uh, in that time too, dropping that 12-inch black platter onto your table, letting the needle ride, and hearing this act for the first time. Does track one, side one serve as an appetizer? Or do you just want to say, check please, and head for the door? <laughs> All right, tell you what I think, and then you give us your, your opinion there, Cookie. All right. All right, well, 1969. It was the goodest of times. It was the baddest of times. And singing a little ditty to us about both was two industry veterans and two newcomers who christened themselves Led Zeppelin. I personally love their choice of good times, bad times to open up the first album. 
uh, they seem t- they seem to as well because uh, they began their 2007 reunion concert with it. Also, anyway, the song begins with a bow out and some you know kind of cute little percussion. Uh, but the first verse has a kind of an almost nerdy riff supporting it. I mean, it's adorable. It's classic 60s pop. And then a chorus with some really aggressive drumming and a lyrical little bass tie. But the second verse is undergirded by a much more muscular riff. Mm-hmm. So it's getting stronger in increments, even though it was pleasant enough to start with. And then there's another chorus and a second of silence before Jimmy Page takes off the gloves and really lets loose with some maniacal acid rock soloing. And uh, drummer John Bonham already making the name for himself that would be revered to this day. The song rounds out with some classic Robert Plant vocal vamping into the fade-out, sort of a trademark of his. Yes. And there it is. So Led Zeppelin on the first album, I think, did something that's always been uh, an integral part of a successful record album, movie, concert, or even fireworks display. They started strong came out guns blazing, but saved the really big cannons for last. Uh, Of course, sometimes as well, as we will see, it's good strategy to start with a scream and end with a whisper for dramatic emphasis as far as albums go. Right. Like uh, Ascent and their album Evolution of Sorrow Bleed Like Us, for example. (laughs) Wouldn't you say that was a good example? I would say it's an excellent example, actually. Right? Okay. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Zeppelin always started strong. Look at the first tracks in order. Good Times, Bad Times, Whole Lot of Love, Immigrant Song, Black Dog, The Song Remains the Same, Custard Pie, Achilles Last Stand, and In the Evening. See, here's the thing. They get it. They get you have to kind of knock them over the head. You just kind of, you got to pull them in. You got to keep them in. And, you know, those songs really, to me, they really set off those albums perfectly. I mean, I can think of other songs that would have gone there, but they wouldn't have been as good a fit, and they wouldn't have set the tone for the album the way that those did. They just wouldn't. They wouldn't. It's and, you, brilliantly There's something selected. about each one of them that is so perfect. Even Custard Pie, which is kind of raw and right. basic, but it's so. and the album gets like super progressive. It's still a perfect representation of what they're about to do for four brilliant sides in That's 1975. Right. And what I like, too, though, is I like that they... It's kind of like there's appetizers and then there's full meals in songs. And sometimes you go back and forth. You're appetizer, meal, appetizer, meal. And I really like that because I think that it appeals to everybody. That's one of the strengths of their first songs and all their albums is they pull in anybody. Right, and they would not, as, as wonderful as they are, they uh, these guys are not about to start an album with Tangerine or Going to California. No, no and they shouldn't. And they shouldn't, you know. They're good songs, but that's not, those are power songs, the ones that they started with. Yeah, so Punkin, I would say you're in favor of their choice on that one, absolutely. right? Absolutely, no, Hell I absolutely yeah. agree with it. And I like, I like what you said, because I feels like that song starts off with like at a, with a lighter fare. It's like a lighter fare, and then it starts to get kicked yeah. in. And I like that, where you go, oh, that's an exp- Oh, all and, right, there it is. And during that great outro vamp, Paige is doing it, too. Of course. They're both just... Fucking going. That's so what they bon- do. So is Bonham. I mean, the well, only what... one who's got a who's not going batshit crazy is Jones because he has to. He's got to. Cool. He's yeah. got to keep it in line. But yeah, he gets his turns. That's for sure. He really gets his turns to go off. But that just you know, not when the other guys are all doing it too. They're not the that's fucking true. who. They're, they're, <laughs> everybody's playing solos there, and, and Zeppelin. It's only three at a time. So what I really like that Bruce and I try to do too is I'll sing something and then he will return the the what I say and it's kind of like a it's it's a conversation and I think that that's what what Paige and Plant do and I just love it call and response it is timeless it's it yes. absolutely timeless and no yes we know there's a certain other power duo that was doing it around the same time yes. earlier it doesn't matter it doesn't matter they 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 took it where nobody ever did they did that's right so uh, and here's another possible winner um, the doors break on through oh, to the other on. side 
All right, so, you know, the 60s are wearing on, and you find yourself a hippy-dippy with this new record, and you drop it on, and this little electric butterfly label thing is going around and around, and you hear snare rim shots and some crazy bossa nova rhythm, and then this cat starts crooning Mm -hmm. before the whole thing goes off the fucking rails in a screaming rock frenzy. I think this is a sensational album opener. Um, Would I want to hear more after that alone? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for the ride. And uh, the next track was Soul Kitchen. I mean, really, oh, come on. Yeah. The hooks are in deep, and we know what else is on the album, too, that first one. Uh, good call from these young fellows. What do you think? I think it's a good call. I was trying to think if there's anything else on that album that I would have opened with or that would have even been an option. I'm trying to think. I thought that the other day, and I looked, but I can't remember. I, I think I settled on that one anyway, but there are other some, some killers on there. There are some killers, but I don't, again, I feel like they're being I mean, so deliberate about what they're selecting and I think you have to be that's why I had you listen to our song order like is this does this do it is this right, the right because right. could we have started with a different song yeah but I, it kind of it kind of hopefully does one of these things like where it builds and then kind of they would not want to start that album with the end okay no, no. Oh my although God. they started the concert with when the music's over that was a surprise you but know? that's a but it's, the, it's, yeah, it's harder it's than the kill, end though. Yeah. yeah yeah the end is just they didn't both at the Hollywood Bowl movie on the big screen worldwide one night only the doors 68 Hollywood Bowl concert and I was there they did the end and when the music's over that's a hell of a thing you know that is but yeah, um, yeah you uh, can't start the beginning with the end I don't know I mean but, I guess you could but it's a pretty big downer. <laughs> might... Starting with uh, the album with uh, Break On Through to the Come Other on. Side? Yeah, baby. Um, I think that was uh, And you was do. Yeah, I mean, what I like is, it's again, it's it's exactly what you're about to do. You're about to kind of go over the bridge to mm-hmm. the other side, and you're going to go on a fucking ride you're not going to forget. So I think it's brilliant. I love it. And, I mean, well, that's another subject for another time, but there are songs on there that simply can't be overplayed. Uh, no, And I agree. Uh, there are some all-time classics on there. I mean, 20th Century Fox, yeah. Light My Fire, forget it. I mean, it's it's off the, absolutely off the hook. There's never a time I don't want to hear him sing something. Mm. His voice is just beautiful. And then when he breaks out into that super rock vocalist from that crooning, I can't even handle it. He's. I just wish we could have heard, you know, whatever, you know, more decades of him yeah. doing what he did. But man, I, there's never a time I don't want to hear that voice. You know, that crooning thing, that, oh. that savage animal thing. I mean, he was just so bright. That, and that concert I was talking about, oh, my goodness, his vocal performance is the best it's I've amazing. ever seen. Yes. I mean, I've heard he was erratic live. I've heard he was hit and miss, but this was rock solid. No one, It was only after three albums, too. Yeah. But it was probably their best show. So it was uh, just incredible to see. My goodness. And the movie started, for the listeners, the movie started uh, with modern-day footage of uh, Robbie Krieger and John Densmore. Uh, talking about the L.A. Woman album and with two other musicians, they play Riders on the Storm and L.A. Woman. And these, <laughs> these old geezers are kicking ass. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. All right, so uh, thumbs up for the doors uh, by the panel. Absolutely. Uh, we already talked about Heart and Magic Man extensively and oh. what a uh, what a knock-out-of-the-park hook that was. Oh, perfect. Uh, here's one. It's like, okay, okay. We've, we've had super on fire ones, but you know they can't all be. They can't all be. Oh, I was worried about this. You know, the, you the temperature has to go down. A little bit. <laughs> a little oh. lukewarm. But, uh, and, and maybe it might get cold occasionally. Uh, the Eagles, take it easy. You know, I mean, honestly, it's considering their sound at the time, I suppose it makes sense. I, I, but it mm, doesn't blow your hair back exactly. No. It doesn't, you it, know. 
No, and I don't even know if it sets the tone for the album well. That's my problem, too, is I don't think it does. Yeah, and I don't know what they could have picked. And when I'm thinking about what a choice it was, I'm confining myself only to that album, of course. You know, At the time, yeah. they had the choice of starting with something. So far, they've really done it up. I'm not so sure about this one, but I'm offhand. I can't remember exactly what's on it. Yeah, So, but take it easy. I, no matter what's on it, I... Even if that was going to be there, they thought their <laughs> runaway hit. No hell, no fucking. The way. hit can be the second track, yeah. though, or the eighth track, or anything. Because that is not yeah. one that I. If I, if you're going to drop that needle on my album, I don't want you to hear that first. Well, I don't. That's that's a B side to me. I apologize, but it's a B side. Oh 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 wow, a B side. Yeah. even. certainly not a first track. No. Uh, but however, it's going to get a lot colder because to oh, me, shit. this is a real flop coming up. Uh oh. Okay, that was not a good uh, choice. Uh, Neither uh, was the disastrous choice of Billy Joel. She's got a way? Really? That's what you open with? And there's this really fast-driving piano rocker on there called Everybody Loves You Now. That would have been the way to go in my book. I'd have to say things worked out pretty well for Billy after all, though, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think he's crying anywhere in the corner. But in retrospect, if you were there, if I were advising him, friends don't let friends start albums with songs like that. No, you know? I, I would have said, you know, you got to have something a little more mid-tempo, up-tempo. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just don't think, I mean, unless you're Barry Manilow. I think if you're Barry Manilow, you can totally get away with that, and I think it actually makes fucking sense. It might make sense, although really, he usually, uh, he usually has a rocker has a at upbeat, start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even I, Barry Manilow, Billy, what the fuck? I mean, I have three of three of his albums, and he's a hell of an arranger, and he's a hell of an album arranger. I mean, he really puts shit together good. I like his music. I, I do anyway. I'm a big fan. So, so question: What with um, Bob Dylan? Does he open with the Sleepy Ones, or does he open with? Ki- I don't know. I'd have Ass to, kickers. I'd have to think. Um, yeah, he might not open with ass kickers, but he does them though. He's a he's a real great blues rocker. Right, Dylan. but he is, uh, yeah. so that's going to be interesting to see what you think of those. We should return to that some point later. I wonder if there's even a worse choice coming up, but oh, shit. maybe not immediately. Okay, I'm <laughs> so scared. Sorry, Billy, that was a bad that one. Was, yeah. Probably not a good, not advisable, dude. Crosby, Stills, and <laughs> toy boats traveling in toy boats. <laughs> unique New York. <laughs> yeah, unique New York. <laughs> <laughs> Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Fuck. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Take four. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That is not usually regarded as a tongue twister. No, not normally. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Well, I think they did a very solid job of establishing their strong musicianship and their superb harmonies, and they're not the real headbanging kind of group anyway. No. So uh, I'd say it was a pretty good call. I don't know. I mean, it's a good song. I think it's a good call, but my... I'm going to put my bet on there's probably something that would have been better. Okay. All right. Fair enough. What about this one? This is a notable one. The first solo album by Genesis drummer Phil Collins. And here, there's, I think, personally, a brilliant exception to the rule. Nothing strong in driving. And in fact, you're halfway in through the song before there's even a drum. But when that song is as grabby and haunting as In the Air Tonight, all you can do is sit back and go, wow. I mean, it's... It doesn't start off galloping out of the gate, but it's pretty damn powerful. Uh, maybe not a first choice, but if there was one that uh, you know kind of was laid back, it might be this one. I don't know. That is one of my like my go-to songs. Like if I need to just kind of get my shit going, that's just one of those songs. I would not have put it at the beginning of an album. It would have been probably song number three, even though it's an amazing song. I don't know that when that album came out, that song was a runaway hit like it is. I probably would have had that number three, probably maybe even number four right in the middle. I'm not sure I would have had that first. 
So a little more rocking, just know, a, even something. Yeah, a little make maybe even more a like, pop. Yeah, you know, anything. anything. Give me mm-hmm. something more than that. You know, than no, no percussion, and then finally it kicks in. Well, I don't think in any era or generation will this be considered pop. Great. Jimi Hendrix Experience, Purple Haze. Okay, well. <laughs> what can I say? You can't ma- start out stronger than that. Just, it was a just, master just, stroke. Just you do know? your thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that. That was brilliant. I mean, any thought we might have, we clap our hands over our filthy sewer holes. We will not question a no, choice No, that like was that, amazing. You know? Yeah, no. I, I don't know. You're probably not familiar with the Sex Pistols, uh, Holidays in the Sun. No. But I'll just mention it for the listeners because there are some dinos out there who will remember. That based on the crap we were reading in Cream and Circus Magazine, this numbnuts teenage kids thought it was so cool, the, the aggression of the Sex Pistols, that um, we would have been surprised by the level of musicianship and production and lyrical quality of that album that stands up uh, well to this day. I think mm. it was a good choice to begin the, uh, an album with a song with these militaristic stomping and, oh, well, that and a makes chorus, sense. and it's a, it's a very, very powerful beginning. That sounds like a good, a good choice, although I'm not familiar, but it sounds, sounds solid. Sort of a tie there, as a, and a group that would openly laugh in magazines at the Sex Pistols for their alleged aggression, <laughs> saying we are much more aggressive than they are. We laughed our asses off when we saw all that all that uh, press. They deemed themselves to be much more hardcore. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who started their very first album with the Barbarian. Now this well, is <laughs> well, it's kind of fascinating. They started with a nitro-fueled three-piece band version of a Bella Bartok piano piece. <laughs> a composer whose percussive keyboard style clearly influenced Emerson a great deal. Clearly, clearly, the sound is one that borders on frightening. Really, no one had heard anything like this before, and it was very common for critics in those days to categorize them as a heavy metal group, despite the extremely rare use of guitar, and even usually that was acoustic. Because the sound is so harsh and overwhelming, that handle seemed to fit somehow. <laughs> uh, I, well, I think also they had a different definition of what that was at that time, and that was hard, and that was extreme, and that was considered, like you said, aggressive. It was, and so they felt like, please, that's adorable, Sex Pistols, have a seat. Let's go ahead and kick your ass with this classic that we turned into this masterpiece, and I love, I love the percussive keyboard. That Uh, is a defining thing for sure for ELP, but then also, I think what made them feel more more hard rock, more metal, even without a guitar. I mean, that's something to be called that without a guitar. Like this, you know, this heavy guitar is what you expect. It it is. uh, Some of the classical composers would be putting out that kind of thing if they lived with the technology we have. There's no question that Beethoven certainly would have done from doing that. (laughs) To me... Classical music is hard rock and progressive rock without electricity. That's that's pretty mm, much what it comes down to to me. And nobody has introduced me to the classical world more than Emerson Lake and Palmer. I was discovering them when I uh, with the suburban kids in the seventies, and they were pl- show, playing us classical in school. And I thought, wow, that's what kind of turned me into a lifelong classical music fan, which is always a good thing to be. I mean, classical music enriches your life in a way it's hard to explain. Well, so uh, does progressive rock. So I does think. progressive rock. Yeah. It really does. It's just. I believe things that make you think and really kind of challenge your mind. You know, they're not they're not ABC. They're more they're more intricate, more interesting. I really think that it kind of takes you to a different place in your psyche. I think you go somewhere different. And I think it just it it just takes it to the next level. And that's what I love about those two forms of music and jazz, like real jazz, not this smooth jazz stuff. I'm talking like, you know, Thelonious Monk and things like that. That's what I'm talking about. 
And that's what sets Emerson, Lake, and Palmer apart, really, from any other rock group, is they're so... They're, it's classical, hard, progressive rock. <clears throat> that album would go on to contain acoustic guitar ballads like Take a Pebble and Lucky Man, <laughs> yeah. which he wrote when he was 12, which will come up later on in this, right. a certain discussion. But um, uh, on another show, perhaps, which you should also tune into. The, um, that album, I think starting with Bar- The Barbarian, an instrumental... Uh, it's, it gives them a sound that they hadn't heard before. Whereas if they played Take a Pebble or Lucky Man, they've heard that kind of thing from other artists. Right. This is ELP only, and that's what they started with. I think it was a pretty good choice. What do you think? I think so, too. And I you know, I think it's a bold choice to go with an instrumental. But one of the things that I really like about that, too, is you may have people who were listening for the vocals the entire song. So you really have them... Right in the palm of your hand because they're waiting for the vocal to kick in and it never comes. It never comes. So it's kind of amazing to do that as well. So I think that's brilliant. It's also risky though, right? Mm -hmm. It's also a risk. But with that kind of an opening, are you really risking anything? You're not. Well, I think they. uh, My history is slipping because I'm getting old. I'm sixty now. So, but I think they made a name for themselves at what the Isle of Wight Festival or something by playing. It was the first. I'm not uh, sure about that. They introduced themselves uh, to the uh, audience for the the public for the first time at a big festival, playing pictures at an exhibition. Now, playing an entire suite about Modest Mussorgsky's tone poems and things and piano pieces or orchestrated uh, is. Pretty damn bold. It's amazing. But, uh, it I got actually, them, that makes me love them even more. It got them where they are, and uh, rightly so. People were open, saying, wow, <laughs> a group that will do that has got our attention. Absolutely. And another Electra Butterfly artist, a fantastic band with four songwriters and three singers, began with an amazing riff on a tune penned by the band's guitar player. Queen introduced themselves with Keep Yourself Alive. Uh, it wasn't the first Queen song or album I'd heard, but it... Had it been, I would have been in like Flynn at the time. I can just only imagine being back there. I discovered him on the third album. How do you think about that as an opener? I definitely love it. I mean, I think it's it's kind of a soaring song. It's an uplifting song. You know, it's uh, it it kind of gives you a good elated feeling. I think that song, and I think it's perfect. And it's it's kind of got all the classic Queen, you know, components in it. So I think it's a great opener. For many reasons. No, I really, really like that. I hadn't thought about it, but I really do like that. And you know, a little bonus, we get a little, uh, and a little bonus, we get some interplay between Roger Taylor yes. and Freddie Mercury. Do you think you're better every day? No, I think. <laughs> too, 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 Which I great. like. It is so good, and the song is fun. It is uplifting. It is. But it's kind of proggy at the same time. Which I love. And, uh, <laughs> it kind of gives you a hint of why you should not give up on Queen ever. <laughs> and see right. what they're going to come up with. And why you should never, ever think that they're done. That they, oh, that's all they've got? No. You don't even know what to expect. And Queen just takes you all over places with, again, everything from like doo-wop and like 50s stuff all the way to like hard rock, pseudo metal, you know, ballads. I mean, there's nowhere they didn't go. So uh, you could never count them out. In the beginning, in the first few albums, well, especially the first two, it was hard and progressive and dark. Yes, I love it. And it was unbelievable. And then they started to branch into like Incredible stuff. I mean, love. Well, we've talked Absolutely. about sheer heart attack at length. Anyway, yes, but a good, good choice. And I think we both agree that was a good choice. And I four do. American lads who use British spelling in their band name, Living Color, <laughs> put their best foot forward. Obviously, at about sixty miles an hour, right into your groin with cult of personality <laughs> no matter where i am if this comes on i absolutely lose my shit absolutely and spaz out who as, doesn't as punk in here can verify <laughs> this just, comes on and i'm gone you know it's one of those songs it's 
I'll be committed. Brilliant song. I will be carried away. Absolutely. (laughs) No, this is, I mean, I'm sad that we didn't hear more from Living Color in the same way we heard this. This was, this is one of those songs that is just, it's forever feels fresh. It forever feels new. It feels applicable. Um, it's a fucking hard rocker. No one plays guitar like. Yeah, don't be afraid of Vernon Reed, kiddies. He only wants to use his guitar to melt your face like that dude in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Seriously, <laughs> and he does. I mean, the stuff he does on guitar, you just you you just kind of shrug and go, okay, I can't even start to just compute that. And you just enjoy the shit of the song. It's sheer brilliance. I can't imagine opening an album with anything stronger. These guys even had a way with pop hooks and doing songs like Glamour Boys. And, yeah. You know, they kicked off their first album with the pedal to the very heavy metal, and uh, they couldn't have done any better. They couldn't have. No, there's no doubt. All right. Once upon a time when I was in high school, a hard rock quartet with a hammy flamboyant streak broke out on the scene, introducing the world to a new kind of guitar hero for the ages. And as strong as Van Halen's first track, Running With The Devil, was, Eddie VH held back the real six-string fireworks a bit after that particular number. And uh, then we got Eruption and their Kinks cover, You Really Got Me, uh, Hot On Its Heels. I remember hearing this for the first time, being in high school. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. I I was gone, baby, gone when I heard that. Absolutely. So what do you think? Good choice? Oh, an amazing choice. Absolutely. I, I can't think of anything that for that particular album that would have started it off better. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, I'm trying to think of all the songs that are on that, but that one just, like you said, the way it starts, it's just like, oh, God, it hits so hard. And ends with like on fire, and they got like Atomic Punk in there. I mean, it's like, we and never, we didn't know what hit us. No, so. and that's what's going to, you're going to get so much more of that. So it seems perfect, but I'm just, you know, absolutely Oh, my God, yeah. A great way to start an album. Shit. Great way to start an album and a career. And Um, a career. How the mighty have fallen, though. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Another band member going solo. Paul McCartney leads off with, wait for it, the lovely Linda. (laughs) No, really. I think this called for an intervention, okay? Uh, (laughs) I mean, Where were his fellow Beatles? He did fine, but, I mean, nobody, could nobody tell this man, even Linda, like, please don't start the album with that song. (laughs) Yeah, That's nuts. I, uh, anyway, but I mean, all is well that ends well for us, uh, Paul. Again, you know? none of these people, if we disagree, they're not hurting. They're not right. Right. Yeah. They're not reeling from this decision. <laughs> trying to imagine, I mean, it, it worked out obviously, but uh, if you were start, it, it worked out in spite of that. You know? Yeah, I agree. Because I mean, if you have, you know, if your album doesn't start with the best song, but you got to single out the people like her, I mean, people are going to love you anyway. Right. But you still want an album to flow in a certain way. You know. Right, and it becomes timeless that way. In classic, you go, "Oh my God, is this is this band." His band, however, the Beatles, nailed it, I think, counting in one, two, three, four. At the beginning of the proto-punk classic, I saw her standing there. I like that as a choice, and, you know, really, as many songs of the 50s and 60s are, it's a punk rocker at heart. Uh, Bands would cover songs like that later on and made it abundantly clear, like the Ramones with Surfing Bird, Do You Want to Dance, and and so forth and everything. A lot of those songs are punky, but they just needed to be cranked up a little bit. And I saw her standing there as loose, it's rowdy, it's a ballroom rock with lots of spitfire fills from Mr. Ringo Starr, and uh, a hint, just a hint of the great Beatles harmonies to follow. If you're going to, I mean, in, in that early on, it's a good song to start with. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty pedestrian, that song. I mean, I don't I don't get that from it. I, I feel like it's just kind of a... 
It feels a little saccharine and it feels a little kind of, I mean, based on some of the other stuff, I don't know that I would have started with that one. I'm not saying it's a weak start, but I probably would have picked another one. I think you're just too hardcore. <laughs> I think that establishes the Beatles as a rock and roll band myself. You know? I don't know. Anyway. I, don't, I mean, it's, I, I didn't say it was cute. Thank heaven for that. You know? <laughs> it's not cute. It's a good oh, song. Oh, Sir Paul well, might come up in discussion also later on. Not Perhaps not in the best light either. Oh, oh my. Not, nothing for me. Nothing oh, for I me. I was going to say, it can't be. Not me, no. Right, speaking but of he Pope, already knows that you picked Mc, you, you picked uh, Lennon over him, though, right? So, I mean, you can't go much <laughs> further back down with him than that. Things have been a little rocky with Sir Paul since then. <laughs> I shouldn't have outed myself on that. <laughs> speaking of punk, the uh, the band that galvanized the whole thing and even influenced the British, who we bloody wankers sometimes think of as having invented it, Whenever anybody does punk, they throw a British accent in there. It's just because totally, it's well, so punk. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I do that. Does, you do. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Roll your bloody wankers. Yeah, you do. Yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but the Ramones, <laughs> the Ramones were four delightful New York lads who, unable to simply figure out how to play the Beatles or Alice Cooper songs, came up with a whole new bag of their own. Uh, singing to us about Cretans, Pinheads, Sniffing Glue, Chainsaw Massacres. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect, right? <laughs> and such in the most winsome imaginable way. Kicked off their debut with the immortal Blitzkrieg Bop. Okay. Come I on mean. now. Exhorting their audience with a friendly, hey, ho, let's go. Come on. I was around back then, and uh, I went along with that, too. So, I don't yeah. know if it's friendly. It's like, hey, ho, oh. let's go. It's I mean, a, little, it's, a little unhinged, it's as emphatic. the Ramones should be. They sang about the wackest shit. They did, but it but worked. But you didn't even notice. You didn't I even mean, care. Ritual sacrifices and things like that and everything. It's, it's, it's all... It's all their bag. That's what you, know? you got to do. You got to kind of shroud it. Yeah. You know, you can get it by, but you got to kind of. It's got to be cloaked. You know, but no, when you're absolutely. That much fun, you can do anything. I even like the darker, heavier stuff that they did I do later too. No, on. No, I like the darker, heavier stuff too. But that and song, the early fun. I, I, good choice. Good. I mean, come on, Knock that song. How, who, even if you don't like punk, how could you not like that song? Well, we know who liked punk. Little segue there, because wow, uh, we're that. staying on theme purely by accident. I mm. assure you. Uh, there was a group of Irish uh, lads who were very much influenced by punk. Oh, interesting. Even working Joey Ramone's name into I know a who song they are. title. I know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and took their name from a military plane. You too. Oh. Put their most rocking foot forward, I think, with an explosive track called I Will Follow. Come on. Hell yeah. They're not the hardest band in the world, but this is a ballsy but uplifting track that uh, might not be typical of their sound, but definitely endeared them to us, don't you think? Well, it was pretty typical of at the time. They were punk. They were really kind of raging against all kinds of machines. They had, you know, they were they had battle cries. I feel like it is part of what they do. This was the more crunchy, kind of grungy, punky side of them, and I really like it. And I think I Will Follow is something that even, again, if you don't like punk, you're going to like this song. It's just one of those, you know, walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away, I will follow. I mean, come on. It's kind of like the, hey, ho, let's go. I mean, it's there. So I think it's a great way to start out an album. Um, It wasn't too pithy. It wasn't too weepy. It was perfect. It was even kind of a little bit of, dare we say, gasp fun. Yeah, I a little know, bit, right? a tiny hey. bit. As much as Bono will allow. You know? There's a, hey, he allows plenty. Have, have you heard? Oh, I know. Are you yes. fucking kidding We're me? We're talking about the fly here. Yes, I understand. Okay, that. you better. <laughs> you better recognize. I got I to gotta rile Christine up. It's getting late. You, know? <laughs> you better recognize. It's getting, it's getting a little late. She drove a long way. I got to wake her up. You know? 
<laughs> All right, so we agree, agree again, not to disagree so far, uh, but uh, well, well actually, uh, there uh, was a, a little disagree, yeah. <clears throat> and another band that started off their recording canon with a great rocker, not that typical of their sound, was the Police with Next to You. It's a wonderful, energetic, absolutely frantic song that works its magic because it casts its glow over all the songs to come uh, on the album. So, uh, what can I do? All I want is to be next to you. I mean, priceless. I love this. I love mm-hmm. this, and I love these guys. I think it was a good move. I think it's a good move. I don't know that there wasn't a song on that album that I would have picked over that one. I think there probably is. Not that it was a bad choice. I think there could have been a better choice, and I am a very well-practiced police lover. So I am very, very familiar with their canon. And I just think that there are some things, maybe there could have been another song that could have more encapsulated their sound. Not that that was a bad choice, but I think there could have been a better choice. Well, you'd be missing out if that was all they had. And if you hear that song, maybe you might not. But uh, yeah. uh, maybe it's because maybe I'm biased because I do know what else is coming. But at the time, uh, I'm trying not... The whole idea of this is not to do that. But uh, <laughs> I fucking heard the thing already. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right, another band starting off things in a decidedly punk vein. This is all this punk what stuff the fuck? going, right? Though their singer-songwriter can craft a pop melody with the best of them was The Pretenders. Mm. With the track so raw, it's still bloody. The song was Precious. Again, I was around back then when this came out, and I've been reading. I had been reading at the time in these magazines about this Chrissy Hind person, and found myself kind of awestruck when I heard it by her uh, songwriting prowess and range. Uh, this is the same album that included uh, everything from the radio-friendly Brass in Pocket to the "Your Mama Won't Like This" song, "Tattooed Love Boys," wherein she, as uh, one critic put it, spits out pitiless razor blades. Lyrics, I shot Jesus. my mouth off, and you showed me what that hole was for. I mean, that's about as, that's about as raw as it gets. <laughs> Yikes. I like it. I would have to say Precious was a better opening song than that one anyway, <laughs> even though they both rock hard. Uh, and uh, a damn fine first volley, personally. Do you know that one? I mean, you probably don't. I know it. I think I've heard it maybe three times. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm much more familiar with the radio-friendly parts. Not that I don't like the Pretenders, because I certainly do. Though she does have a voice, uh, vocals that are are something that took me a while to get used to. An acquired taste. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Um, and some you never acquire, but I, yeah. I loved her from the start. But I understand. I, I, understand. I did different. not love her from the start. I was like, She's different. Uh, oh, you ever hear her sing Dylan's I Shall Be Released? Oh, my I, goodness. I it's wonderful. Uh, anyway, I get it. I don't know. It's, uh, it's different. But I will say the I Stand By You, that song still kills me to this oh, day. beautiful, I can't. beautiful. And the way she sings it with the level of emotion and exactly. she's so earnest and it's just... It's beautiful. She has a lot of songs me. like that. What I like about her voice that you don't get from a lot is the rawness in her voice mm-hmm. and you just, the emotion is right there on the surface. You don't have to search for it. So I grew to love her. Again, you, sometimes it's repetition that, that endears you to a type of music or a vocalist and that's kind of where I am. So I you know, I have to say I think Brass in Pocket, that song, I don't think they could have gone wrong if they started with that song, but I don't it's think It's a good it, opener, yeah. But yeah. it doesn't represent their sound the way Precious does. Not quite. Do no, you know what I no, mean? Yeah, it's too I don't know, it's too light. It was to, yeah, know. it is too A B. And they're not A B. No, but, it's not it's great that they can do that. And as yes. you said, the emotional songs that are so oh. wrenching and even the first album has them. You know, contrast those with songs like we talked about, Tattooed Love Boys. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, she's a genius. Um, she really is amazing. She's an amazing talent. And I'm really glad that 
that I can, even though, you know, a very low level, can stand kind of with her as a, a vocalist. And we are so different, but hopefully we convey emotion and all of those things, but in such a different way that I respect, you know, and uh, I'm glad I finally got it. Even if I didn't get it in the beginning, I got it. <laughs> right? Me too. I did from, I, well, I did from the start personally. Right. Now, uh, for something completely different, Charday uh, oh, is on this yeah. list. Smooth operator. You know, if you're Charday, that's a damn good way to start. You might as well. I mean, she's, you know, uh, probably. There's no need to ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is one of my favorites, like just smooth ass oh, voices. I just. Diamond life. Oh, she's I so good. Who, who said it? I think it was my friend TJ. So if my friend TJ ever hears this, I think he said her voice is like sunshine through honey. That's what how he's described her voice, and I never forgot that because it's totally true. Charday's voice is like sunshine through honey. It absolutely is, and it's just this smooth. There's no rough edges. It just puts you in a place, and and to hear her sing smooth operator is just a joy. I, I could hear her sing anything. That voice, it just puts me, it, I'm just transfixed. Yeah, absolutely. And wasn't it great? We were at that karaoke. Last time we did karaoke, some uh, some lady did Sharday, or did I completely dream that? No, you're right. Yeah, okay, it happened. Okay. It's always nice to know when things really happen. <laughs> but it's one of those things. I make them up so much. With her, I, I would never try to cover her or even, she's just, no, no, not really. There's no there's no one who has a voice like that. It's just it's just different. But to start with smooth operator, you just you just have to. Although the sweetest taboo. Oh, yes, yes. The way that you know what I mean? Like it starts it would be a great opener too and I think both of them kind of kind of give you a hint of what her style is because i think either of those could have gone but smooth operator was a runaway hit yes yes it was but any one of those her sound is just a gorgeous gorgeous. beautiful all right why well there are two ways to look at this folks either it was such a rich topic that yielded such treasures that it absolutely must be done in two parts delivered in two parts or it's for the absorption level i think the absorption level or just uh, uncontrolled babbling. No, I think yeah, I, I would do say that. It was rich. Mi- it was mining. We were I, mining. Ah, uh, uh, I like that. Yes, we're miners. So that produced a show not too long by any stretch, no, as far as I'm not. concerned. However, or me, since winging it is is supposed to be a little more brief. Uh, typically, perhaps, typically we're going to cut it into two because it's more than twice as long as one we anyone we've done in a while. Right. So. Uh, tune in uh, next time, every couple weeks, to whatever it is, uh, follow us, and tune in uh, com, as in birds of a feather on air.podbean.com, and uh, any other platform you can find is a BOAF, especially. Mm-hmm. There are lots of birds of a feather, but BOAF. On air. On air. That's us. That's us. Anyway, so we shall see you next time. Uh, but there's yeah. no there's no salutation, there's no closing greeting for that. No, I there? think we just say, until next time, ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.